race clock. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray. With me, my overexposed, super bright. I know. I was trying with the camera settings, but the, like, we've got a window. I've got a window right here that I need to get some like um, blackout curtains on or something. All right. Yeah, there's no windows in this. That helps. Yeah, that's why it's nice and yellow. <laughs> yeah, yellow. There's that rap song about black or black, black and yellow. Black and yellow. Yeah. All right. Let's just let's take it easy with the <laughs> with the white guy saying numbers out uh, colors rather out loud because that's that's a risky business. Uh, so yes, uh, this is Grace Scott, a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network. You can check out our other podcast, and I just uploaded a new podcast today called DMs Anonymous, where me and a couple other people will be discussing tabletop role playing games as you know encounters things you deal with as a dm and prepping and all that kind of stuff so we're it's up on the website uh but we're still waiting for all the itunes approvals and such so that'll uh so yeah you can check it out right now Uh, if you want to wait till it's on itunes you know give it probably three four days i don't like it (laughs) i don't like it tabletop gaming's for nerds yeah and (laughs) well i'm just saying don't you go to pax unplugged every year (laughs) I don't really see how that's related to anything. No, it's true. <laughs> uh, no, that sounds dope, actually. Um, only a couple of the, like the D&D podcasts I listen to like will have like one-off episodes where they do like an Ask a DM thing. Mm-hmm. And if you want, we have a mailbag section. So email us, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com and ask your DMing questions. Yeah. Uh, we've got Andreas from the uh, Dresden Files podcast, who is one of the co-hosts. And a woman named Ari, uh, she is hardcore. She like runs five or six games and plays in three others. And wow, like so, she's going to be our go-to. I think so. And I'm like the noob here with only like three years' experience. I mean, you had some good stuff in the campaign I played with you guys. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, yeah, the uh, the uh, what was it? The, it was like the grid paper with the space fighting. Yeah, that was dope. I dug it. But anyways. <laughs> Enough about nerd crap. Let's talk about The Office. <laughs> More nerd crap. Uh, season 9, Episode 3, Andy's Ancestry. Directed by David Rogers, written by Jonathan Green and Gabe Miller. Yep, yep. And this is, to me, one of the more iconic cold opens with Asian Gem. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy to have such a late in the game cold open become iconic, but it's really true. Yeah. yeah, because you always see like, hey, I found Jim in this movie and it's the other guy. I don't know. Right. His- <laughs> I yeah. should look that up. But and it's so good because like <laughs> you know, Dwight comes in and or Dwight's there and Asian Jim sits down and is like, hey, Dwight, how's it going? And Dwight looks up like, you're not Jim. Yeah, and it's just this great like Dwight's grilling him. New Jim just happens to know all, of, I guess it's not New Jim because Plop is New Jim. Right. So not Jim? Not Jim. Yeah, not Jim is there and um, he's able to answer all those questions. He knows what calls he had yesterday. He knows the uh, voicemail code. Mm-hmm. You know, Pam gives him a kiss and yep. 
all that stuff. And like the piece de resistance is like Dwight's getting more and more like, you're not Jim. And he grabs the photo from family portrait studio. And like, this is Jim. And they went through the trouble of retaking that photo with not Jim in it. And it was so good. It's like, yeah. that was like next level. Yeah. Part of me was wondering if it was a retaken photo, uh, mostly because um, fake Jim's expression is happy. And we know that Jim's actual expression during the family portrait stuff was like not happy. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, Dwight is blindsided. It's a great thing. Oh, mm-hmm. but Jim's actually at the dentist. Yeah. And so they're like, Hey, we had, we had an afternoon without him. Yeah. I wish they would have shown real Jim coming back because that would have been next level. Yeah, like having <laughs> fake Jim hop out real quick. And yeah, like, hey, I'm going to go to lunch. Like, Jim and Pam go to lunch together and come back with real Jim. Like, that would have been hilarious. I wish they would have shown us that. Yeah. Randall Park. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff I've seen. Yeah. Well, And now he's in this Netflix show, like, Always Be My Maybe or something. Is that a show? Oh, uh, sorry. I think it's a movie. Yeah, he's in that. Like, he's like the main male role, I think. Yeah, I think he plays um, an FBI agent in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's in that. Uh, I've seen him in a couple <coughs> other TV shows. And now that, you know, you can get, you can book so many shows with Netflix, you start to see these kind of guys who can play a lot of different things more often. I'm just excited to see more diversity on television. White Jacob. <laughs> yes, I, yes. <laughs> I am many a thing. I, I am many a thing, and one of those things is rather white. Yeah, I, I can't like I can't dance. I can't sing. Yeah, all those white stereotypes, right here. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple things going on in this episode. Um, one of the things is that Daryl is is he he's like an assistant manager. Yeah, kind of, like to the office overall. I, I believe that's how it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of branching out away from just the warehouse and he's been tasked or he decided to do a project, basically trying to create more productivity. And right. I think this stems from his life hack interests. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a good, it's uh, it's a good, easy thing to do. Like, I mean, it takes time to do it, but you know, generally there is a, in most offices, it's very unpro- unproductive. Where it could be easily streamlined, like he's talking to Jim, he's like, hey, you could, you know, do all your sales orders at once at the end of the day, you know, save you a bunch of time. And Jim is really into it. And like, he's built up this whole like presentation, like a white paper on it. And Andy just keeps shitting on him because of the other thing going on this episode. Yep. Which is um, basically Andy has tasked Nellie and he just gives like weird random jobs yeah, to because her. He's being an asshole to her. Yep. And this particular one is to run a genealogy on his family history mm-hmm. just for funsies. And um, it comes out that he is related to Michelle Obama. Correct. Which is not how you say her first name. I was just trying to make it fancy. <laughs> Uh, so it's he's very excited about it and he's going around and he's telling everybody, interrupting and ignoring Daryl when he's trying to share important information. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he, he just keeps talking about it. At first, he's really stoked about it. He's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm with Michelle Obama. You know, I'm related to Michelle Obama. And how could that ever be a bad thing? And, you know, it's sort of the tertiary storyline is mom. No, 
sorry, I was thinking about my guinea pig. Sorry, Aaron and Dwight were um, Molly. God, I did it again. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, Aaron is trying to learn French. Because, because she's gonna all be, of Andy's yeah. family knows multiple languages and all this stuff, and she's trying to fit in. And Dwight convinces her to learn uh, Dothraki. Yeah. Um, and they and they just go to it. You know, there's whiteboards and there's things, and it's angry and loud and very guttural. And um, Aaron's having a blast, and she seems to be picking it up pretty quick. Right. Uh, and, you know, we, we get Dwight's opinion on Game of Thrones where it's a show with a lot of nudity that he fast forwards through to get to the chopped off heads. Yeah. So yeah. And that's like about a, the violence. Yeah. And as like a timing reference, this episode came out October 4th, 2012. So season two. Yeah. We're still pretty early on in the mm-hmm. Thrones. Like we're at the very, we're pretty much getting close to the height of game of thrones fever I'd say. right and like if you watch the nudity scale it starts falling off like there's a whole lot in season one like there's like tits every other like second in yeah i mean essentially what happened and rightfully so i feel like a particular character or two were tasked with being the naked people mm-hmm. um and eventually i think that actress was like okay that's enough we've seen it like, let's move on now. Right. And uh, I know uh, the girl that plays Daenerys. Well, she's who I'm talking about. Yeah. Amelia yeah. Clark. She was like naked the whole first season, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's like, all right, that's enough of that. And, she re- Yeah. When they got picked up for season two, she negotiated in her contract. But there's still a lot of tits. And, you know, well, there's a lot of prostitutes. Everything. Too. Yes. And of course, the prostitutes start getting murdered, which is uh, great justice to women characters on that show. And um, yeah, and then the people who run those brothels become people of importance and power. So they walk away from those brothels and it's great. Yep. It's a real, real testament to how actual society works. There's a, um, there's a really funny song from the PDX broadsides called The Game of Boobs and Lies. And of course, it's about Game of Thrones. It's like in the Game of um, Boobs and Lies, everybody dies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious. You should check it out. If I remember, I'll put a link to the YouTube in the show notes. I probably won't, but I'll try. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the other thing that's going on is you'll all recall that uh, Jim told Pam what has been going on no, with that. No, he hasn't told her. He oh, tells, him, oh, tells her at the end of the episode. So he's yeah. still trying to keep it. Yeah. And like, because Nelly wants to do some driving exercises with Pam because she's taking her... Uh, Driver's license. Driver's license exam yeah. in a couple of days. First, how did she survive in screen this long without a driver's license? So it's just I know. like Not, billing I mean, cabs to, to Dunder yeah. Mifflin Saber the entire time? That's true. That rural Pennsylvania is, I mean, not really, suburban. I mean, really, if you're not in a metropolitan area. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of metro, big metro areas in the U.S., Really, if you're not on the East Coast metro area, yeah, you pretty much have, like, in, if you live in Dallas or Chicago, well, it depends on the part of Chicago, but Dallas, a lot of places, you know, you have to have a car. Like, yep. I was just like, how is she, has she just been driving illegally? Yeah. Oh, that could be. That could be. Um, but yeah, so she ends up in the car with Pam during their lunch hour and, you know. Jim makes this really odd comment about how he's got something to do over lunch too. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. And Pam gives this look that she's been giving all season about like, I know something's up. Mm. 
Um, yes. It, well, we've been seeing this look for a while, pretty much ever since the pimp who was taking her job showed up. Like, I've already forgotten her name. Went to Florida, tried to su- seduce Jim. Kathy. Kathy. I was thinking Karen. I'm like, oh, that's right. You said pimp. No. <laughs> he probably meant something offensive toward female sex workers as opposed <laughs> to the men who were their lives. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that's that's that that's building, but to your point, that's going to get resolved by the end of this episode to some degree. Right, will be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, it's a small development; it's more of a little joke. But um, Dwight Junior. and Pete Clark and Pete, yeah, um, have started clapping for Andy randomly, mostly because they've realized that he responds positively to like attention and praise. Right. So they're clapping. As yeah, so like, they, they're, they're just gaming the system, which is yeah. smart to do. But And they all know Andy's an attention whore. Yep. Yep. So they're clapping as he's filling up water bottles, as he's pouring coffee. You know, he sings a riff or something, finishes a meeting, and they're, they're, they're clapping. And they make this comment that they're actually unaware of what is impressive or not anymore. Right. There, there's this great line where, like, what's weird is <laughs> I'm starting to think everything he does is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know what's real and not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what ends up happening is as Andy is kind of bragging about his relationship, possibly to Michelle Obama. And he's bragging about to everybody. Yeah. Um, people start to accurately draw. I think it was really Oscar that really started it. Yeah. But everybody At least it's the first one we, sh- we yeah. saw start drawing the. Yeah. Well, so there seems there, there's an implication that Andy's family were slave owners and that having a relationship, like having a familiar relation with someone of that background right, would probably be from a slave owner to slave relationship. And if that was even consensual, probably not. There's just a lot of implications. Right. That saying, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he starts this reverse kind of thing of trying to like get get in, like basically dig up dirt on other people. Yeah. Um, so he goes to Nellie to do it and she gets that text while she's driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find out that she lied about the Michelle Obama thing. Right. This is also where like Pam and Nellie start becoming friends. Like they're hanging out and they like Pam really likes how fearless uh, Nellie is and all of that. Uh, so it's a good sort of character moment there. Yeah, really uh, quite a few people start to turn uh, and like Nellie, like, you know, Jim and Dwight had that experience with helping her move. Mm-hmm. Um, Pam has this moment here. Aaron's going to have a moment in the next episode. Right. And it's going to position her in a much better place in terms of how people feel about her. Yeah, there's Andy. there's a lot of stuff going on. Like there's a lot of relationship going on in the next two episodes because there's a lot of friendships that really merge. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like relationships that get off off on that permanent dislike. Right. You know, especially in the next episode. But like, I feel like, you know, Clark and Pete are starting to become friends now, even though like Clark or Pete kind of hates Clark, but kind of like, I don't know, you get that more buddy vibe feel to him. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think it's a little inconsistent because it was like just the last episode where Clark was trying to do some secret softcore porn thing with Aaron. And like now they're doing this buddy clapping system that they've created. Mm. Which totally fine. If anything, it just almost feels like episodes were aired out of order, but or like right. Well, and you also see like Daryl's all all getting on Clark about like, hey, you need to teach me PowerPoint. Like, yes, just, right. just do the tutorial. You are the tutorial. <laughs> yeah, 
and we've seen this from Daryl a couple times throughout. Like he gets real serious about his job. You know, he mm-hmm. is really like up in Gabe's business to like do the um, minority training thing. Right. Um, he talks to Joe about some like different things. He's got good ideas. You know, like he has these moments of like, I'm going to be really good at my job. Right. And you know, he starts doing it and he starts moving up. But he doesn't move up, I guess, as fast. Like he really thought he should have a manager job. Well, he says the higher his title gets, the stupider his job becomes, uh, which I don't think is inaccurate necessarily. I do think that there's like this um, real talk, everybody listening out there, get ready for some real professional job advice here. I think there's like this pool of middle management that is just garbage (laughs) because like you're not really in charge of anybody and you still have a million bosses, but like you're a manager. So you're like, you're in this weird place where like you are responsible for these things, yet you have no um, empowerment to do it the way you would have chosen to Mm. do it. So this episode is Daryl trying to take control of his thing, but he sees that Andy is a doofus and is not really going to let Daryl shine in that way. Yeah, in my career path, it's always been, and this this is probably going to be true for a lot of people in different ways, it's when you move from the technical to the manager, that that big shift, you know, because... You're, you just have the skills to do the hands-on stuff. Right, right. Like, I, I would guess that, like, you're very much hands-on every day doing your job, you know, and you report to somebody who's not doing your job, but they're in charge of you. Mm-hmm. And it's that first shift that makes it really hard because generally when you make that shift, you get in charge of people who are like Pete and Clark who just, right. you know, they, they're peons and you just, you're just there. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's great. And Daryl's like really just going through the motions of Mm. working in America. Right. Well, and I think it's like, he's like, okay, I'm going to do this. Andy's my friend. He's going to listen to me. I'm going to be able to make some good changes, all this other stuff. Then Andy just completely shits on him. That just, yeah, like, that's like the last straw for him. Right. Well, cause we've seen Andy and Daryl develop a bit of a friendship, you know? Um, and he was part of the Christmas tree getting trip that made Daryl feel better after that mm-hmm. weird interaction with his wife. Uh, there's the texting storyline where Andy's texting Daryl too much. So like there is like right. a, a friendship there. Well, and there's also like, I mean, <laughs> hey, this was supposed to start as a prank, but there's a whole saber fire thing. And- right, right. Yeah. So they bonded. Uh, and, you know, when Andy first became manager, he made Daryl his conciliary that I can't say ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to try it after that. I'm just going to let everybody <laughs> sit with your version of it. Um, well, and, you know, I said I wasn't going to say it again after the last episode, but they're writing Andy to be an idiot. So, you know, it, it's at least nice to see someone have to respond to this change in Andy. Mm-hmm. Aaron responds to it. We'll see that in the coming episodes. But Daryl, um, who we've been with for a very long time, is now seeing this. Right, especially, you know, because Daryl, he was supposed to have five minutes, like, pitch his mm-hmm. idea. And he like he well he come in earlier and giving him the binder. Right. And all you see is like Andy's crap all over, coffee stains on it, and he realizes that Andy's always gonna be more involved with himself than yeah. work. Yeah. And and I sort of got the impression that Daryl was just like, I'm not gonna do another Michael Scott. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, we'll skip ahead a bit, but it, so Daryl ends up going to the warehouse to kind of like look over things and reflect on his life. And uh, Jim, being in Daryl's office, looking at his own like productivity thing that you mentioned, uh, goes down there to kind of console him. Well, see, you know, the way well, I, the way double, I read it. Right, it's, two, it's two things. He's got double motives. Yeah. Right. Because he could hear the whole conversation with Andy because their door was open. Right. And so he had definitely had that look of, this guy is smarter than people 
give him credit for. I'm going to steal him. Yeah, I mean, because Jim was part of that meeting to interview people. Right. Um, so he knows that Daryl had potential. That's why they wanted him to come in. Daryl messed up that interview, to be fair. And right. actually, he messes up the other interview that he'll have for Ackley, showcasing that Daryl's just not good at interviewing. It is uh, a skill. It is a skill you have to practice. Yeah, it's like taking tests. You don't actually need to know anything. You just have to put the right answers. I'm terrible at tests, man. See? Like, See? <laughs> I'm great at interviewing, though. But, you know, I, I have a pretty successful career and a fairly smart dude. But, like, my SAT was like a 10-10. Like, it was awful. Did you take the new SATs or the you original SATs? Old SATs, when it was just like 1,600. Yeah. I, uh, I took the year I took SATs was the year they switched. And they, did, they switched on the, um, like the calendar year. So like I took the old SATs before Christmas. And then I took the new SATs after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I had both the 1,600 and the 2,400. I don't know what I got, but I'm just sharing information. <laughs> Which, just gapping generations. Well, so yeah, so you're saying he's headhunting. The other thing I think too, though, well, I do think Jim's trying to make Daryl feel better because they are buddies. Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But it is a, hey, but, well, I have but, an opportunity for it. Well, I, I also think, though, it's Jim trying to bounce off his pitch to Pam on Daryl. He's like, hey, what if there was a better job? What if it's in this great town? What if it's doing this great thing? What if there's a lot of money? Doesn't that sound great? And Daryl's like, yeah, that sounds great. And then Jim kind of gets in his own head. He's like, yeah, see, of course. It's not that far. I could commute. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like having a conversation with himself. And Daryl's kind of left hanging. He's all like, well, is this thing real or whatever? And then Jim's like, oh, yeah, you're here, by the way. Totally. Yes. Just don't tell Pam. And then that's where Daryl kind of lays the hammer down. It's like, look, it ain't real until the wife is on board. Yeah. Which not for nothing. It's hard to know what Daryl's relationship is like with women because on a personal note, it's been a while since I've seen him with Val. It's been quite a few episodes now at this point. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what they're doing. Um, Obviously he's divorced with his previous wife. Right. um, They, they go in and out. There was like a moment where they were together and he was banging her all the time. And then there are other times where he's not allowed to see his kid. So I don't really know how Daryl is in relationships. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know how insightful this thing is that he's saying. Like, is he saying this thing from a place of like, you two are partners, so you need to be on the same page? Or is he coming from a place where like, women are the boss? No, I I mean, well, I took it as as a partnership angle. Right. That's what I want to take it as because I like Daryl and I'd like him insightful. Yeah. But I also know, it could also be more of, I know who your wife is and I know how much y'all do together. Mm. There's no way. Right. Yeah. So not a comment on marriages as a whole, but specifically the Halperts. Right. Yeah. Like it threw me off because I was interviewing this company like a month or two ago. Mm. And they were like, if we can give you this, these numbers, you know, this kind of stuff, would you be willing to talk to your wife about it? I'm like, do you think I haven't been talking to my wife about this since the first phone call? Right. They're like, right. And they, had, they were like, you have? I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, people don't do this? Yeah. Like, it's other people's lives. Well, the, you know, divorce rate's like, what, 55, 60%? I have no idea what it is now. Well, it's a lot, Jacob. It's, it's so, high. So, yes, it's a lot of people are not talking to <laughs> about big life choices. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, this inspires Jim to tell Pam eventually about this thing. So this is a fun inside baseball moment that I just realized is I spelled Dothraki three different ways in my notes. (laughs) Yeah. I have no idea how to spell it. Well, it's not right. (laughs) Whatever you finished with is definitely not correct. There is no W in Dothraki, but 
Dothraki is how you say Yeah, it. that's correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just know I was like looking over my notes. I was like, oh, that's definitely three different spellings. Yeah. But we were trying to take notes on the fly. You just got to put down letters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dwight seems to know quite a few languages. I mean, he is a sci-fi nerd, so he knows Klingon. Right. It's a given I'm a sci-fi nerd. I don't know Klingon. Um, I know one Klingon word. Kapla. Success. Really? Yeah. It sounds like how you'd say Plop's name in Klingon. Um, yep, Dothraki. I don't, don't want to know what the Klingon word for shit is. <laughs> it's probably just, ah! Um, yeah, and he knows like this weird like Dutch German. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, like, a, it's like a very specific dialect. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, and it gives me the impression that like it's like old world. Um, so like there's no translations for like modern day things. Which we figure out when he's trying to help Pam put together. I the, wonder if it's like French Canadian. Like, are those really similar languages? Like, I have no idea. I'm just spitballing. But like, I know there's French Canadians and there's can, like French French. Are you asking if Dutch German is like French Canadian? Yeah. Is it like the French Canadian to German? Like Dutch German is to German as French oh, Canadian is to French. Are they equivalents, not yeah. the same language? Right. Got it. Sorry. Because uh, France is a romance language and German is Germanic. Can I have that in a sentence? Um, no, I, I think French Canadian is really just hardcore French in Canada. Um, because I know some people who work with a company that is heavily based out of like Quebec. Yeah, and Quebec. Um, it's just very French, just super French. So I think it's French Canadian because they are not in France. So like it's colder. Okay. It's like French, but chilly. <laughs> Actually, I think I probably just came up with the best analogy. Like what Dwight knows to German is like Cajun to English. That's yes. probably what that's, it is. That's, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. So Oscar ends up sharing this thing about Andy possibly being a slave owner to everybody. Well, not Andy. Andy's ancestors. Right. And like Andy's doing it all and Oscar like just drops the hammers. Like, yeah. You know, this has bad connotations, right? <laughs> So Andy does the text to Nelly. Nelly sends the fake information about everybody else's family, and he starts to list it. Yes, in this big conference room meeting. Yeah, it's things like... Um, Jim looks like Nixon. Right, which is the inside joke that Pam has with Jim, although Jim doesn't pick up on it. But he kind of does look like Nixon. Well, it's the nose, right? That's what everybody says. Um, <laughs> let me see here if there's a list of... Here we go. Andy asks for information. Da, da, da. Uh, Kevin is related to John Wayne Gacy and John Wayne Bobbitt. Mm-hmm. John Wayne Bobbitt is the dude who got his knob cut off, thrown into the highway, reattached, and then became a porn actor. And then I think got saved and became a pastor. Like really bizarre life there. I, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you get your dong cut off. I don't think anybody can judge you for what you choose to do afterwards. And that goes for any anatomical part. If you have a bit of you cut off that's attached to a private part, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Become Batman, become the Joker. It's all reasonable. Um, Meredith is related to Lizzie Borden, who mm-hmm. like stabbed some dude with an axe 25 times or something. Yeah. Uh, she Nelly, has a nursery rhyme. Was she? Uh, yeah, yeah, like a cautionary tale, right? Mm-hmm. Like biting off your thumbs and shit. Nelly jokes that she's related to Tonya Harding. Dwight oddly admits that uh, his family are members of the Bund. His great-grandfather or something. Yeah. Which uh, he says are not Nazis. Not technically Nazis. Yeah. But here's the thing, like people get all bent out of shape about like, oh, you're of German ancestry and you're 
relatives were Nazis. You had to be a Nazi or you were killed. I mean, that's just how that worked. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. This is the German-American Bund. So, like, this was in America. That was not a threat for them. That's true. This is something still, they I've seen to people do. get really bit out of shape about them. Like, you do really, like... I have a relative whose family member was in the Hitler Youth. I'm like, if you were a youth in Germany at that time, you were in the Hitler Youth. That's just how things worked, you know? Right, right. Uh, yeah. It's not a reflection on their character, even though it's probably a reflection on Dwight's character. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Oh, okay. So Nellie and Pam bond so much so, and Pam is able to show Nellie some of her artwork that Nellie creates a special project, which is painting a mural in the warehouse. Right, which is which sort of carries on for the rest of the yeah the show because I, I think in the finale she unveil, unveils it right, mm-hmm. uh, like they have an unveiling party. Yeah, or very right. very or like the second to last episode. It's very close, and yeah. like a couple things come from it. I think a warehouse worker defaces it at some point. Oh yeah, storyline. I think that's when Brian becomes more involved actually. Mm-hmm. So that's setting up that. Um, yeah, because that's when he like goes like across the nose with the boom mic. Oh yeah, little little uh, John Wick action before John Wick. Well, well, no, that's someone like he starts really getting involved. Like we pan well, breaks down. Yeah, right. After Jim and her have that like first really big fight about this right. thing that they're mm-hmm. going through, um, and then Pete learns Dothraki to talk to Aaron. Um, you think he learned it or just knew it? No, I think he learned it because he tried to say hi to her earlier in the episode and she yells at him into Thraki and he kind of looks a little confused. <laughs> um, but then I think, you know, because of Dwight's whiteboard presentations, he's like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. But, but we learned through all of this that Andy did not, Andy's family has never owned slaves. They just transported them from wherever they, uh, wherever they came from to... We know a lot of slaves came from Africa, but the slave trade is across many, many countries. So. Correct. I just, I don't want to generalize the Bernards are slave traders and maybe they just, you know, maybe they were versatile. Right. And that's why, like, you know, it makes sense that they're all like so nautical themed that, you know, they, oh, that's the best. I didn't even think of that. They their know. ancestors grew up on the, the seas. So. Yep. Yep. Like, like a racist Moana. <laughs> uh, so what'd you think of this episode? I liked it. It's fun. Um, all the, all the subplots really intertwine really well. I think it's one reason we weren't very like uh, chronon- right. We didn't go in any order. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we, um, but yeah. So I enjoyed it. So I gave it a three out of five. Fun facts: Game of Thrones is the only is only the seventh highest rated show for the most nudity. So it, as, as sh- shows with nudity goes, it's not that high. Care to take a guess at number one with nudity? I'm going to say Spartacus. No. Um, I mean, it's got to be one of those like premium channel shows, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's not Breaking Bad. It's not Walking Dead. I mean, I guess it could be an older show. No, I got nothing. Shameless is number Shameless. one. Shameless. Okay, there you go. Shameless. Which is which is a great show, but there's a lot of nudity in that show. My mother watched it, and that means it's not cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what do you think of this episode? Uh, yeah, you know, well, let me say, yeah, I feel, especially in this last season, it's hard to like pick numbers that are like point whatever's, unless I really feel neutral about it and I give it a 2.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I mirror a lot of your votings moving forward, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not copying you, bro. Fine. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give the, the decimals. <laughs> yeah, fine. Uh, so I'm going to give it a three out of five, um, Ixie's calling y'all. 
which is actually a 30 Rock joke, but there's Dixie <laughs> comments in this. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It's a very intertwined, self-contained episode that sets up a lot of stuff, so it's cohesive. And it's and, fun. The jokes are good. Yep, yeah. All the characters are utilized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, that's fine. All right, so next up, we have Season 9, Episode 4, Work Bus, directed by Brian Cranston, the Brian Cranston, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And written by the Brent Forster. Pulling out all the stops for this one. Yeah. Um, so cold open is Andy created a fail vid for their softball season. Right. And what it ends up actually being are like their successes. Cause if I recall, they did well. Yeah, they did well. Like he just basically adds all these sound effects to it. Yeah. Like even though they did a good thing, like they'll hit a double. Uh, and then he'll slow down the video and make Daryl seem like he's a fat slow dude. Yeah, it's like do do do. He's like that was a triple. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people aren't getting it or whatever. And then this is like a really great bit where they do like an RIP thing, and um, it's like silent for like three seconds, and then a little text pops up over the dude's eyes, and then Andy just goes fail, fail, like four times, uh, which is super disrespectful. Super. Um, but we find out that there was another video that was not included, which mm-hmm. Jim took, and it is, I guess they won a game, and Andy's going for the old, like, pour your Gatorade on your coach thing. Right. But he does it by himself, and it's too heavy for him, and he kind of falls over, and it's muddy and dirty, and he could have crushed right. a rib, and uh, it's not part of the fail video thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts chanting fail, and he, you watch fail vids? Um, I'll watch it when they come up on, like, my Reddit or Im- imager, but like I don't seek them out generally. Yeah, I mean, like I'll say, like on a Friday or Saturday night, you know, you get a little wild, a little sleepy. You're just looking for something a little silly. I'll go to Fail Army on YouTube. Uh, they are they have some pretty decent fails, and I like their editing. You know, they don't have like some stupid impact stroke text on the bottom that says visit mm-hmm. gamblecasino.com backslash YouTube user sixty nine. You know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, some good ones. Although my wife has shown a potential interest in watching videos that are like closer to like Darwin Awards. Oof. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm not against it, but are you ready to see people die? Yeah. So I don't think she's yeah, quite there, but she's close. Yeah, I feel like once you get there, something is broken inside of it. Yeah, I well, I, you know, and I'm not, you know, to remove her from this conversation to just talk about internet culture in general. You know, not that you and I are particularly old, but the internet was like really hitting its stride at a time where I think you and I were probably very um, susceptible to influence. You know, there were yeah. websites like, you know, like New Newgrounds was a very different website than it is today. Um, E-bombs world was the place. There was no YouTube. Um, funny websites like uh, Lemon Party, Meat yeah. Spin, Goatsy, terrible things like that were around. Rotten.com, if you've ever been there. Uh, you know, slash B, all oh. these things I feel like were uh, in a, in a place where we were like young and very malleable. So I feel very desensitized. So sometimes when I'll scroll through Reddit, you know, go through something, and it'll be someone whose like eyeball has been gouged out, and they have a fork in their ear. I'm like, I seen that. I'm okay with it. You know. Well, I, I does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I mean, yes, I've definitely been desensitized, but I always went with early on in my internet days, you know, because. You know, I was on the internet back when I was 12. So that was like yeah. 20, God, 27 years ago. Yeah, it was like before To Catch a Predator was a thing. 
So yeah. we, we were legitimately talking to pedophiles and we were actually well, underage. But, but you could like to be like you just like skipping through like GeoCities randomly and like the worst stuff would pop up. And so yeah. I just like adopted early the whole you can't unsee certain things. Yep. And, uh, I've always been kind of careful. God, I've been on the internet for 27 years. Wait, yeah. no, no, no. No, 12. I'm tw- no, 12 years. Sorry, I was thinking the date, the, the year, not my age. Okay. Yeah, for 12. Yeah, and I'm going to say too, I think the end of like crass gross internet, I'm going to say ended maybe around 2007, 2008 with Two Girls, One Cup. I never watched that one. Well, but that's the thing. I think that's the cutoff. Well, and, and I think, then people were like, I've seen enough internet. Well, and part of it's so much of our, around that time, so much, so much of our internet started getting centralized around Facebook and. Well, like MySpace. MySpace, yeah, social media sites Facebook, that Twitter, that kind of stuff. So it became this less of a wasteland. Right, right. Because there were like moderated places. Right. Yeah, it's true. Anyways, so. <laughs> That's so, a deep dive. So fail videos are like, or nothing compared to what fail videos were back in the day. It was a freaking... You still see some that are pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, do you... Um, I mean, I'm sure you know what it is as of today. But do you recall the first time you heard about that uh, tapes, those tapes, uh, Faces of Death? Uh, um, I don't know. I was, again, I was young. It was like before I was even in middle school, probably. But there was like this story that there were these tapes that go around that were called Faces of Death. And it was this filmmaker who like ran around the world it just recorded all these like terrible things like, um, you know, eating monkey brains with the monkey who's still alive or this um, like the original Twilight movie way back. Not Twilight, Twilight Zone, <laughs> Twilight Zone, very different uh, where there's like a helicopter scene and the helicopter goes awry and it's like well before like safety standards. So the helicopter tilts and ends up killing two of the child actors. So like, you know, obviously that was not part of the film. Right, <laughs> but someone took that footage and that was included in this anthology of like terrible things, you know, people killing themselves on live TV, whatever. So like, I remember hearing about that as a youth, and then when the internet started becoming a thing, like you'd always see like clips, like Faces of Death Part Two, of like you know, ten minute segments of these things. Anyways, it's all terrible. The internet's a terrible place. If you really want to see terrible things, you don't have to look. It's true. It's true. It's I think at that time I was just too uh, too into other terrible things on the internet oh man what a what a terrible vague sentence that is <laughs> oh you know 14 year old with access to the internet the first thing they're going to do is look at porn so oh, boy well everybody email what is it broken jars at broken jars broadcasting at gmail.com let us know what you think jacob was googling when he was 14 <laughs> oh back in the day like porn was so innocent compared to what it is today uh yeah maybe maybe I mean, some of it was still creepy. I mean, listen, anything that was ever shot on a VHS tape or Betamax tape has a high potential of being creepy. Oh, you kidding? Like video back back in the early, like early mid to early, mid to late nineties, like there was no such thing as video porn back then. Uh, there were things. I mean, listen, if you if you type certain keywords in certain websites that are indicative of old timey. You will find some weird black and white stuff, some weird stuff from other countries. I'm just saying, I'm saying, there wasn't enough bandwidth to support that kind of stuff. I guess, I guess, yeah, yeah. The gift well, hadn't been invented yet. Right, yeah, that's true too. Okay, anyways, <laughs> dead people, naked people, fail vids, all the yeah. same thing. Um, all right, so we skip to the actual episode itself, and Toby, Aaron, and um, 
Dwight are scanning for EMF hotspots and taping them with red marks, essentially areas where there's a high magnetic electromagnetic frequency due to like an overabundance of uninsulated cable. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, I don't know how, we don't know how old the building is, but it's probably at least 20 or 30 years old. Yeah. I mean, we know Toby's been concerned about radon. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's always worried about this kind of stuff. Um, but there's actually quite a lot of spots that are dangerous. Right. But Dwight refuses to fix it. as Because it's going to be expensive. Yeah. You know, right. and he's got to do it for the entire building. Yep. And <laughs> generally, once you start up upgrading, like, you have to get everything up to code. Like, the first yeah. time you change one thing, everything has to get up to code. Right, because if you've already got your walls torn down, there's no sense in not fixing everything. Right. Well, and that's also uh, a lot of the laws. Like, that's why for a lot of businesses it's cheaper to tear down a building and rebuild it than it is to retrofit it well not for the sake of this it's the last season we're keeping the building (laughs) um right and so you know dwight doesn't want to do it he's talking about how like major studies haven't been conclusive and all this stuff and he says something about one like i would have to shut this place down for a week yeah which uh, gives Jim this idea because now that he's told Pam about athlete or whatever, he's mm-hmm. just being super nice. Well, Pam mentions like I could really use a week off. Yeah. Right. Kind of offhanded or whatever. So it to be fair with the way like Dwight is bitching about it. You think it'd be like three or four weeks, you know, not like uh, just yeah, a week exactly. away. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I'll say to, to your point, um, I think Dwight would just do all this himself. <laughs> he doesn't really seem like the kind of guy to hire someone. And I think he thinks he's handy enough to do it. So he's like, I could do this in a week. I could see him with like a giant roll of tinfoil, like just wrapping it around wires. Yeah. Well, because you remember he did that to the Halpert's kitchen, right? Yeah, but he actually did a good job on that. Well, right. But so this is different though. That was like him kind of getting carried away, I think, with the project. I right. Think but he's trying to placate. Much smaller. Because if, if he does it for Dunder Mifflin, he has to do it for everybody. I mean, I'm pretty certain that would be like in laws of owning a building. With- yeah, you're thinking about it too much. I think <laughs> one office is complaining and Dwight would fix that one office. You know what I'm saying? And okay, I think fine. Dwight would do it himself because if he hires a contractor and they do start doing this, then the contractor wouldn't sign off on the job until, to your point, everything is up to code, right? Be like him, Moe's. Yep, Nate. Nate. Yep, exactly. You know, they're, they're single plying toilet paper and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Jim decides he's going to do whatever he can to get this week off and have these repairs done. So he secretly pops one kernel in a bag of popcorn mm-hmm. and uh, puts a red tape indicator above Dwight's desk. Right. Well, very specifically above Dwight's desk. Yeah. Like over his crotch specifically. Right. And I don't, I don't think Jim, Jim doesn't know the the stuff going on with him and Angela, right? Yeah. Like it's it's just coincidental. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll say he knows about Angela, but yeah, I think the baby drama is right. He doesn't he doesn't know about the whole getting tested. And- right. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, right. So he does this not knowing that this is going to set in motion this downward spiral of Dwight throughout this episode. Mm. Um, and I I could give Dwight quite credit. He was really on like. Um, on, on Jim's scheme here. He was just like, hey, you're going to want to do this and do this just so your wife can have a week off of work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think he says wife, though. Like, he does know that it's a ploy, but he's just like, just I'm like, pretty sure he said it. Off. 
Um, anyways, so yeah, it ends up working. And um, so they think they're going to get the week off. But what ends up happening is as part of the agreement, the landlord has to offer up a temporary workspace while mm-hmm. this is happening. So he gets a work bus, whatever that is. I know the answer to this question, which is plot. But uh, why didn't he Why didn't he just be like, hey, work from home for the week? I mean, that would be super easy. Well, that's what, that's what Jim was hoping for, right? Like everybody go home. <laughs> well, he was telling Pam they were going to take him up to the lake or whatever and do all that and stop by Laverne's pies and tires fixed also. Yeah. But like, uh, you recall office Olympics, Mm -hmm. Jim like orchestrates all these games or whatever after already visiting everybody to try them, does them almost finishes the whole ceremony. And then he says he got just as much work done that day. Right. Plus he did that stuff. So I feel confident that if Jim had a week off, he would just fucking do it all Friday night. I just dropped a hard F for nobody. <laughs> it's Monday, everybody deal with it. Um, yeah. So I think that's what he would be banking on. He could do a week's worth of work in two hours on a Friday or just a couple hours in the morning or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's like whatever to him. Um, yeah. And sort of the secondary plot that runs parallel to this is Nellie really wants a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw this earlier in season eight with the voicemail because there's the vo- adoption agency rejecting her. Um, so I guess she's trying to go. I think the big difference here is she's trying to go through the state instead of a private adoption agency. That's why she's got to fill out all the forms. Right. Um, and Aaron really loves this, that she, uh, you know, wants to adopt a child, you know, because of her issues. And right. Yeah. If we call, she's a, she was an orphan. She was an orphan who wasn't adopted. So to yeah. see someone so ecstatic, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, really good. Yeah. But the work bus shows up, which is a, basically a converted school bus. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a hollowed out Winnebago or any one of those things. Like it is not up to the task to do the job that it has been hired to do. Right. It's super cramped. Like there's not enough room. They really need like three work buses. Yep. Yep. Right, I know. And then also, too, not for nothing, wouldn't have been cheaper just to get temporary trailers or whatever. Um, but whatever. Um, but again, plot. Plot. <laughs> so it's the bus. They're all in there. Everybody's kind of miserable. It's too tight. It's too close. People are touching each other and stretching and talking on the phone and hilarity. It mm-hmm. was so funny. In <laughs> um, like Jim, uh, maybe this is where he talks about it or why he talks about it, but. Jim is like, I'm just telling Pam I'm sorry and like ends up, Angela goes for paper and dumps coffee all over Pam and Dwight's all smug about it. It's like, hi, you tried to do this and it didn't work uh, and now your wife is dripping with beverage Yeah, and Jim kind of loses it. Yeah, because from Jim's point of view, this is just like the culmination of all the times Dwight has just been a dick for no reason. Right. Um, so he basically incites a riot say, uh, and kind of goes over Dwight's head to Andy. Right. And it's like, let's keep working, but let's go somewhere fun, i.e. pies, also fixed tires. <laughs> um, Do you have any of those weird combo shops near you? Yeah, I think it's a little too metropolitan to have like creepy stuff like that. Well, there is a Polish deli because I live in a very Polish town. Mm-hmm. That's called like um, Super Deli Polish. So it in of itself is not weird, but the name is not great. Yeah, near us we have Hanks Burgers, ice cream, and Mexican food. Oh. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, we have a place called Cake and Cone that also sells hot dogs, but that's basically what Dairy Queen does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Mexican food part that throws me. If it had been like true. burgers yeah. and ice cream, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Or burgers, yeah. ice cream, and hot dogs. That also makes sense. But Mexican food, is, yeah. it's just really random. <laughs> well, there there is a town that has a lot more independently owned restaurants, like just next door, but um, I'm scared to go to that town. So I don't go there, but it's very possible that they have like, you know, tacos, fries, and beepers or something. <laughs> something fun and topical like that. Um, yes. I mean, if you know how to fix tires, why not? People why not? Travel, exactly. right? yeah. Well, and you're already outside or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't say if they have tires. Are they patching the tires? Are they it, just replacing it? Says tires yeah. fixed also. So I'm yeah. guessing it's just like patching tires. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Andy's like, yeah, let's go. And um, they, they head out. And just for what it's worth, as we're keeping track of characters all the time, Clark and um, Daryl stay behind. Yeah, they're, they're sitting out by the building. They're like, oh, no, stop. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Oh, it's too late. Yeah. And I wait for about five minutes, get in my car and go home. Yeah. Yeah, this is not too dissimilar from the fun run where people are like intentionally not participating. Oh, okay. Creed, Oscar, and Stanley. I don't think this was intentional intentional like i think they were just getting air yeah because they didn't know that the bus would drive away right exactly um so they start singing this song and i don't know i was i was a very punk rock asocial child is shibuya roll call something that people know i had never heard of before this ever like i remember watching this for the first time going what the is this like all right well here's a fun thing jacob Mm -hmm. let's do it oh god could you come up with something on the spot the way that Kevin had to? And would it be better than Kevin's? No. <laughs> just, just, just do the thing. You don't have to sing it. Oh, but I like, was it? My name is Jacob. Yep. And it's supposed to rhyme, right? Uh, I don't think so. Because all Pam's stuff did. Well, she's artsy. Rhyming is a very artist thing to do. Let's see. So like, uh, yeah, I know. It's totally on the spot. Didn't write anything. That's why uh, I'm asking. My name is Jacob and I yeah. like to podcast and I'll have a beer with you at some point. Shibuya? I don't know. Wow. That was, <laughs> that was, that was not good. That was not, I told <laughs> yeah. you, man. Like, that was screwed. <laughs> Let's see. My name is J-Ray. Yeah. I curse a lot. Yeah. I paint my nails. Yeah. And I what smoke. Jokes. That's what I got. <laughs> it's the last one that's hard. It is the last one. Yeah, and you're right. I do think the last one has to rhyme. But Kevin's didn't rhyme. I think that's what was in my Right. Head. And that's why it was funny. It's like, my name is Kevin. Yeah, that is my name. People call me Kevin because that is my name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, not for nothing. Kevin's was bad. And the version you just did was just a little bit worse because you kept adding extra syllables. <laughs> hey, man, I can't sing for shit. I that's mean, I, totally fine. Like, that is one of those things I have no illusions about. Like, I'm not one of those people going on to like American Idol thinking I'm like the shit. Yeah. And being terrible. No, I'm just. That's mm. fine. That's fine. That's thank you for doing that service to the country. <laughs> Um, so Nellie goes up to Andy to ask him to sign a document that's an employer referral. Oh, yeah. Earlier she'd asked for it, and he was, he was like, getting bitchy about it, but it was like, fine, I'll read it. Yeah. So she fills out the forms, and she writes a thing, and she gives it to him, and he skims it very quickly, and he's like, this is not good because you omitted all the things, that you're a liar, that you're a stupid face, whatever. Right. Um, and this is after Aaron had helped her fill out all that stuff in a right. way that would be pleasing to the government. Right. 
So he says no, shuts his curtain or whatever. He's and a he's super like, bad, just the super worst. Super mean to it, yeah. And I don't, I don't know what it is, um, but his meanness to Nelly is not funny in the way that Michael's meanness to Toby was, even though I would say they probably crossed the same lines. And it could either be because Nelly is actually hurt by it in a way that Toby has like acclimated to being pooped on all the time. But um, it's, yeah, it's brutal to watch Andy do this to Nelly. Mm. In a, yeah, in a way that we haven't it, seen, really. And this is probably a writing thing, hmm. but I think Michael was designed to be funny and sure. Andy was designed to be me. Right. Like right. There, there is nothing redeemable. Like There's just nothing redeemable about it. Like, um, so, okay. uh, yeah. and I think it was in the previous episode, but here's a good example is like, Toby does something Michael doesn't like. Michael goes, why do you choose to be the way you choose to be? Right. And then Toby says barely anything. It was at the beginning of this episode because Andy comes in and is like, are you checking for beehives? Yeah. And Toby's like, do you, you think, think I have something that measures beehives? Yeah. He's like, and Andy's like, why don't people kill you every hour? Right. right. And it's, it's just the, it Michael. always felt proportional with Michael and Toby. Mm. And it just feels like it feels like Nelly's like a slap, and he's hitting her with a hammer. You know, like it's just right. so over the top. Yeah, yeah, it's too much. Um, because the other thing too is like Toby's life doesn't seem that sad in right. the way that they've painted Nelly's life in a very short time to be kind of not good at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we never see the depth of of Toby's relationships. Right. Like, that we do like even the just the brief time with Nelly. You know, with the whole you know, magician, welcome party thing. Like we see a lot of her life right there and with the voicemails. Yeah. We just never see that kind of depth with Toby. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that doesn't go well. She goes back to tell Aaron that it didn't work out, but then Aaron uh, doesn't take it very yeah. well. So Andy overhears this crying. Right. And goes up to the front of the bus to make a crack really at Nellie's expense. But Pete is there and says, it's not Nellie that's crying. Right, and and this is this is like the moment when I think Pete is like, I'm gonna take Nelly away from. Him. I mean, I think yeah, that look of just I will murder you. Yeah, because you hurt this person. I don't think it's that much, but I do think it steals his resolve to be like, it's worth me continuing to hang out with Erin mm-hmm. because she may not be with Andy forever. Right. I don't think it's a theft thing which I think Jacob often goes to listeners. <laughs> Jacob is always like, listen, we're about to have a showdown in the cafeteria. <laughs> Faculty advisors be damned. I, did, I was homeschooled, so I didn't have one. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, I was homeschooled. Oh, well, that also explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, so that happens. Pete makes his face. Think about it what you will. Um, another funny thing happens is uh, for some reason, Dwight picks up a hitchhiker. Ends up being Creed, who says he's just playing hooky, looks right. up. And he's got this very, like, know, like 1950s like, yeah. going to the polls, like, kind of, like, red, like white, blue, yeah. with, a, like, a straw hat. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like he's going to, like, a racetrack. Yeah, you know? but, yeah. but in the 40s. Correct, yeah. <laughs> or, like, going to sing in, like, a you know, four-man band, like, hello, my baby. Oh, hello. sure, yeah, like a barbershop quartet yeah. on a freaking riverboat cruise. Um, so he ends up in the bus for some reason. Although I don't remember him. What, what does he do for the rest of this episode aside from being picked up? I don't remember. He's just him. there. You can see yeah. him in the background. Yeah. Um, let's see. So they stop at a couple places. They take some pictures with things. And then right. um, 
Dwight claims that they'll they won't have enough gas to get there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Jim's like, oh, I just saw something a mile back, and it's like, you think it's you know a name brand store? Five cents on this thing really makes a difference. Yeah. Well, it's like interesting because Jim has Jim the Jim Pam relationship has always been like they're poor, right? They right. don't make enough money to feel comfortable where they are, which is also part of this athlete thing. But Jim has spent money on fireworks for Pam. So part of me felt like the easiest solution would have been just to offer to gas up the thing. Right, right. Yeah. I just like Yeah. But instead there's another like riot that ensues. Dwight freaks out and he uses the escape hatch and launches off into and, outer space. And, 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 and Dwight's just like, hey, you win. Yep. I'm done, you know. And we get this really touching moment up on the top of the bus where Dwight's like, hey, I'm barren. You know, my something honey pots are devoid of honey or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And so it's all about, and so they kind of connect. And he tells them like, hey, it was just a joke. I'm sorry. You know, you can think of these people as your children. He's like building kinda. Yep. And so it was a really nice moment. Dwight's like, fine, we're going to get you your pies. Yeah. And during all of this, we realized that when it comes to pies, Kevin is very, very good at math. Yeah. Yep. You say thousands of pies divided by a different number and he knows. Mm-hmm. And even though he said that answer. Oscar goes, okay, what about salads? He's like, carry the four. Yeah, it, just doesn't like, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, which is great. Uh, it almost makes you wonder if from that point on, the rest of the accountants just say everything is pies. That's so what that I would have becomes like the best employee ever. Yeah, I would have changed all like the dollar signs on his uh, forms to like pie signs. Yeah. It would have worked. Yeah. Not like pie pie. Not like 3.14 pie, but you know, pie. Uh, there is a funny bit where... Um, Dwight says, you flooded my building with radiation as a prank. Mm-hmm. It's your best one. And, and Jim just goes, I'll take it, even though he didn't. Right. Well, and one thing, I wonder if it was sort of an inside nod to Pi, but mm-hmm. the, the, the problem that Oscar gives Kevin, its answer is 314. Right, which is Pi. Right. So I was wondering if that was like... Uh, it must have been. Because like, the first number he gives, like those numbers are so random. Right. Yeah. So it's like, why not work backward to pie? Um, there's another good bit during the touching moment where they're talking about positions to impregnate your significant other. He's like, I do it only the normal way. You probably do it a weird way, like a lady on her back. <laughs> no, he was asking how they got pregnant. He was like, normal lady on her back. But you did lady on her back, freak. Yeah. Well, that, but that's what's funny, right? Because it's reverse would really be like what is traditional. Oh, yeah. Because like, in modern society. vanilla sex is a missionary or what? That's right. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. Dwight says she'll get Pam a rhubarb pie, who Pam has said a couple times in this episode right. that rhubarb is the one she doesn't like. And um, yeah, and then everything just kind of fixes itself. Dwight takes charge, drives them to the pie place. They make it before mm-hmm. it closes. Andy feels bad, and he makes a couple edits and signs the recommendation form. Right. Um, Kevin has a weird moment that comes out of nowhere, but it's still funny that he insults oscar by saying i insult you so that oscar would throw a pie in his face right um yeah that's yeah that's pretty much the uh it just ends right like it, it just goes kinda, it yeah. just really wraps up all at the same time yeah. it's, not, it's a bad thing but it's nope. just kind of how the episode goes yeah yeah i mean and what does this really set up in motion in the future it's nelly adopting a kid trying trying yeah. to and it's that's just, why she steals 
the, the baby yeah. in the finale, which I have a lot of questions about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's this rift between Andy and Aaron and Pete mm-hmm. kind of popping in. Right. Um, it's this guilt that Jim still feels about Athlete and Pam's reservations about it throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, now Jim knows about Philip. At least that Dwight thought that Philip could have been his kid. Right, and that there, w- there was another round of the cheatings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because we're coming up to like the boat, which is which is coming up, and here comes trouble. And I think what we're seeing a lot of here is just the disintegration of Andy's psyche. Yes, it's it's great, but yeah, he's going through some stuff. It's fine. <laughs> because, we'll we'll talk about it because we see how much like Andy's dad shits on him. And so I wonder if, you know, because he's be, becoming more and more unfaithful to the family and is about to leave them, literally leave them high and dry. I wonder if he's getting you know, like extra shots hmm. just to be meaner to his family that he apparently doesn't like very much. And he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I mean, they try to do it in a way that feels organic and I still feel like it all feels shoehorned in. I feel like they needed Andy and Aaron to be separate and they needed to get Andy to this place so they could do the David Brent UK office thing, um, which is what he ends up doing in the last episode. It's all fine. It's fine. <laughs> See, I, I felt like it was pretty organic, but I never liked Andy all that much in the first place. Well, that's that's the problem. You homeschooled son of a bitch. <laughs> all right, so what'd you think, bud? Uh, I like this episode. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, the work bus thing, we always talk about getting away from the office. And so it's, so they're all together. I mean, pretty much the entire crew is there. Uh, and I don't know. I just like it. It's sort of a bottle episode, you know, cause it all takes place in the, in the bus. But uh, I gave it a 3.5 out of five. We'll be lucky to get pumpkin. I like it. Cause as we all know, but banana cream is the first to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, think I give it just a straight three out of five. Get glue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. I mean, honestly, this season is fine. It does things that I don't like, but that doesn't mean it doesn't do them well. So I'm going to try not to let that affect my judgment. That's good. Stupid Brian Cranston. <laughs> I mean, it, the first half of the season is pretty rough because they're trying to like get all the pieces in place, uh, go for the finale. Right. And they definitely push pretty hard to make sure some of those pop into place. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's sort of like, hey, this letter doesn't quite fit in the space, but we're going to keep shoving it. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like when um, back in the day when they were trying to save money on print advertising, they dropped the U in color and humor, and right. now Americans just spell it shorthand. That's what the office did. They took a good thing and they fudged it. <laughs> they didn't kill it. They just did. They, but it does get better in the back half of the season. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of good fan service and callbacks. <laughs> Anyways, I guess that's it for this week. Yeah. Uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash broken jars. Uh, yeah, I'm at, at Jacob Ingles on Twitter. Yep, J, J underscore Ray on Twitter. Follow me if you want to meet your random out of context comments about wrestling. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see y'all in two weeks. Yeah, that's the, that's the dream. Yeah. Ooh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe six months from now. We'll see. Uh, it's that's my wife's birthday. Yeah. Bring her on, special guest. My- her sister's going to be here too. So I'm. I may uh, not full panel. Full panel. Maybe All we right. could do it early. Maybe we do it on like that Saturday. 
Okay. I go to church on Saturday. Just kidding. <laughs> I believe in Satan. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's going to do it. That got deep. <laughs> it did. All right. Thanks, everybody. All See right. you next time. Bye. Bye.